You were the one who always said life's about projects. I assume by projects you meant distractions. I mean, aren't we simply distracting ourselves with the little projects we label the meaning of life? I mean, we come into this world as somebody else's project, as we're ripped from the womb. In the beginning, it's all instinct, survival, as we scream for food or from diaper rash. So we morphs from instinct to projects when we crawl out of the cradle and crawl into the high chair. We go from crawling to walking to running, back to crawling. We go from slurping applesauce to chewing solids, back to slurping applesauce. From golden rule to sinning to church to sinning to church to sinning. From bedtime stories to school to work. We go to the gym, go on a date, go to our wedding, go to the maternity ward creating more project builders. We create home projects to distract us from our work projects, only to take on more work to pay for our leisure distractions. We build our retirement funds in hopes of eliminating our work distractions, only to end up cursing the bastard fund managers whose sole fucking project is to steal other people's hopes and dreams. And so we return to instinct and trying to survive old age. We try to distract ourselves from thinking about our impending death, but we have constant reminders as we go to the funerals of friends and the funerals of relatives and to more funerals, those we hardly knew in hopes, hopes there's food. Well, these days we're going to memorial services, never seeing the corpses of our dearly departed. Then it's our turn in the morgue. We are once again somebody else's project. The bookends of birth and death filled in with distractions. And if any or all of your projects turn to shit, say for example your job is boring at a meeting, your friends distant, mean, your relationships loveless, your kids disappointments, your retirement plans go up in a puff of smoke. Well, another project's taken up, isn't it? Drinking, drugging, adultery, gambling, skydiving, yoga, electropolitics. All vices distract from the shit project we inevitably find ourselves in. And they all lived happily ever after. How's that for a fucking beginning, middle, and end? Even solitude is a sort of distraction. My seeking solitude is just another project to distract me from my shitty life. I'm not even talking about loneliness. That's a whole other distraction. I think it was Sartre who said, if you're lonely when you're alone, you're in bad company. No. Solitude is its own project. To maintain solitude in the chaos surrounding you takes one great effort of distraction. Why do you think Buddhist monks go to caves at the top of mountains? Still, they have to deal with the bullshit of the natural elements, blizzards, avalanches, excessive winds, also the great likelihood of falling to the to their deaths, not to mention wild animals wanting to eat them alive. But the Buddha got nothing on my attempts at solitude. I suppose the biggest difference is the monks chose theirs, whereas mine was thrust upon me. Well, at least we're getting to an end soon. At least an end that will satisfy, or at least nullify, the current shit projects we're in. The sixth mass extinction event. At least this is hopeful. I think we may just push through to a satisfying conclusion. Most of life on Earth obliterated. Humanity proved to be a useful distraction for a while. Now it's destruction of everything. It's just plain boring. 
At least mass extinction renders all bullshit projects null and void. Talk about your fucking paradigm shift. Well, since we don't have anything to look forward to, let's see if we can make it work, this idea of distraction. Whenever this quarantine is lifted, we should uh, meet up for the sole purpose of distracting ourselves before the final bang or whimper. Let's go all in for a few hours. Nothing more. A few laughs. That's promising. Maybe an embrace, just as a greeting. Nothing suggestive. No expectations. That's possible. Maybe our hands brush together. Our knees greet the others under the table. A, a flirtation to keep the encounter light. Nothing more. Would you be willing to try? Take your time. No reason to rush a decision. But don't overthink it. <laughs> Believe me, I speak from experience. But then... I wouldn't consider you someone who overthinks things. Don't take offense, but it wouldn't hurt if you were more thoughtful on things like this. Don't, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but you have to admit you can be pretty impulsive. I don't think I'm making things up when I say you get something into your head that, how can I say this constructively, lacks a good deal of the facts of the situation and then you impulsively jump to decisions. I'm just saying, a little deliberation and a good dose of reality goes a long way. Reality being, as Philip K. Dick said, that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. Look, I do get it. We had a go at it. And it's, it's going to be a long time before I can hope for a better day. I mean, it's like Walter Benjamin said, the only way of knowing a person is to love them without hope. Well, I'm without enough for the both of us. I hope my honesty here isn't upsetting you. Was it Kemu who said seeking what is true is not seeking what is desirable? Actually, I'm, I'm beginning to feel encouraged by this whole process. I'm glad I could express some of what's been hanging in the air between us. I guess this is all to say that I I don't hold any resentment. Wasn't it Jane Austen who said, selfishness must always be forgiven because there's no hope for a cure? Well, wish I could continue with this, but I've been eating all day. I gotta go buy some food. Ha! <laughs> a project to give my day meaning. <laughs> I have nothing here to eat. It's the seventh of the month, so the pension fund should have transferred to my account. Although, sometimes they don't get transferred until after 5 p.m., and then I can't fucking access them until tomorrow. I keep telling myself, ever since I was barred from the food pantry, that I have to do a better job of stretching my money to last the month, or need to eat less at the beginning so I have more toward the end. I've eaten nothing for the past two weeks except applesauce. No, not, not true. I had saltines with a smear of peanut butter. That was two days ago. That was only out of the kindness of my neighbor down the hall. The peanut butter was given to me out of kindness. Well, she gave it to me because someone gave it to her and she's allergic, but still. Gave the saltine something to look forward to. Or rather, it gave me something to look forward to. Besides plain saltines with applesauce.
it took on its own project-like quality, the peanut butter did. She came to me in the morning as I was going out. I ran into her in the hallway. She just handed them over, the peanut butter. I say them because there were two little pods, I guess you'd call them, like the little butter pods they serve with toast at the diner. I suppose I need to stop getting food from the diner altogether, too. I'm down to twice a month. I go the first two weeks every month for senior discount spaghetti night on Tuesdays, but it's it's gotten that I can't keep that up. Oh, well. I hadn't even planned on going out that day when I ran into my neighbor, but I made up my mind to get rid of the saltines. I get, uh, I get them with the soup that comes with the spaghetti. I save them up for the weeks I can't afford the diner. But it had gotten to where I... I couldn't stand the idea of another meal of crackers. I got myself out of bed, threw on my trousers, a shirt, and a jacket. Didn't even bother with shoes, just wore my house slippers. Quite spontaneous and impulsive of me, wouldn't you say? (laughs) I knew you'd appreciate that. I decided to go down the block to the park and uh, spread the saltines out in front of the bench and watch the pigeons and squirrels. What's left of them, anyway. I hadn't been to that park in ages. You remember it. We went there a lot in the beginning. We took photos of the trees and flowers, the old benches, the tall, dried grass swept by the wind. There was that pair of trees. I knew they were special to you. Weeping willows. Your eyes lingered on them a little more each time we passed. Their branches reached out to us each time. The wind billowed the leaves as if they were waving at us, calling us over. I wanted to take you there once more. We would have come to them holding hands. We would have uh, rested at their roots, the genuine roots, like the ground that nurses them, unable to tell lies. Their leaves would have shielded us, like the, the wind that rustles them, the forthright leaves, stating without apprehension their intentions. We would have vowed to love each other always without apprehension, without lies. We would have... Then suddenly you desired a a different path, away from the genuine roots, forthright leaves. And that's that's all right. That's all right. I, I can't fault you for that. Except I can't reconcile it. I can't now ever know if you ever loved me. If you ever truly loved me. You you said it, I know, I heard you say it, but... I held this reality that we truly loved each other. This gave me meaning. But now... For the first time in my life... Well, that's not true. Others had loved me and I'd loved them. But with you, I felt that Another human on earth truly loved me enough to open up completely. And for the first time, I put all my love into us, into that possibility. I had opened myself completely to that possibility. But you never really let me in. I can see that now. You held a distance. Maybe you had done that with every other... I thought ours was special, but I see now I was just one more strand within a thick, 
a thick rope that you had been twisting for forever. And now I look back and see my life has been without anyone ever truly loving me completely, without anyone allowing them themselves to truly open up to me fully. And now I don't think I have it in me to open up like that again. And now the the trees, what's left of them, stand waiting while I tend to the fallen leaves, struggle with the withered roots of what was and hopes that it blossoms again, in the hope that meaning blossoms again, in the hopes that reality is that which, when you stop believing in it, doesn't go away. Well, uh, it would seem I've gotten away from the uh, original focus of the story, uh, the saltines. <laughs> when the uh, lady down the hall gave me the peanut butter, I, I changed my plan. When I first met her, I mentioned how she resembled Marissa Tomei. She corrected me as if she had rehearsed it or had told the joke many times before that she always gets confused with Charlize Theron. The skepticism in my face made her guffaw and say, I'm kidding, I get the Marissa Tomei thing a lot. When she stopped me in the hall this time, I at first thought she needed my help with something. She was constantly asking me to help her with the, the most mundane things. Every day, she, every day since she, she moved into the building, it was something different. Answers to crossword clues or the spelling of a common word or moving a piece of furniture in a room six inches to the left and the next day six inches to the right. So I was surprised when she actually offered me something. Her niece had visited and left groceries. Um, amongst the items were, uh, was the peanut butter. Well, after enduring her long spiel about how she was allergic to peanuts, the reactions she gets, the puffing up of lips and eyelids, the inflammation of her tongue and the the time when she was 11 and experienced anaphylactic shock requiring a tracheotomy, even showing me the faint scar on her throat. After all that, she invited me into her room so that she could uh, search for the peanut butter. She totally disregarded my obvious mission of going to the park. Well, maybe my destination wasn't obvious, but I had on a jacket and was heading for the front door. That should have been clues enough. Granted, the slippers on my feet might have confused the matter. She invited me to, to sit by pointing to the wingback chair facing the window. First, I thought she wanted me to move it again another six inches in God knows what direction. But she went to a cabinet and began pushing cereal boxes and canned food around. My back was to her, so I couldn't make out her mumbling. I assumed it had to do with her wondering where she'd put the peanut butter. I didn't want to say it. No point in getting too comfortable. But she was taking more time than I thought she would, so I sat in the chair and looked out at the traffic going past the building. She gently walked up behind me, leaned against the back of the chair, put one hand on my shoulder and pointed with the other out the window. Leaning down to my ear, she whispered as if not to frighten it away, Look at that beautiful bird. I thought it odd since the tree the bird was in it was a good 40 yards away, closer to the noisy traffic than to us. She continued whispering, putting a hand on each of my shoulders. 
They come from so far away, these birds do. They didn't used to, but now they have fewer and fewer options. Her cheek was just barely brushing my ear. I stood up, turned, walked to the door. I asked if she'd found the peanut butter. She'd set the pods out on the table next to the cabinet. She walked to the table, grabbed the pods, and walked to me, stretching her open hand out. I took the pods and placed them in my coat pocket next to the saltines. She then said that her niece had brought more food than she could possibly eat and asked if I would like to come by for a meal sometime. I said, perhaps, thanked her for the peanut butter, left her room, walked down the lobby and out onto the street. Immediately, I felt I dodged a bullet. It's not that I found her unpleasant. She's even attractive. Nice brown eyes, a gentle mouth, pleasing curves. I've always had a a thing for Marissa Tomei. She must be at least my age, but it looks younger, definitely healthier than me. I don't even mind the sound of her voice. She did ramble on a bit, like with the spiel about her allergy, but maybe that's just nerves or, or shyness. Could I have a relationship with her? Perhaps casual sex? What kind of worms would that open up? I mean, she was flirting with me, right? I'm not delusional. And what did she mean? They come from so far away. Yeah, I know. Birds migrate. Of course, I'm not going to pursue her. It's not a project I'm taking on. Sex would be a distraction, a good one, a desired one. But not, not if it just leads to taking on the project of being in a relationship. I'm working on my solitude, remember? Anyway, her giving me the peanut butter gave me a new project. I mean, if I gave the saltines to the pigeons and squirrels, what's left of them, I'd have nothing to smear the peanut butter on, right? No. The peanut butter gave me new hope. An addition to the menu. A distraction from me returning to that old park and those old trees, what's left of them. Gave me something to to look forward to. Well, I actually made it all the way to the edge of the park before it dawned on me to smear the peanut butter on the crackers. Suddenly, the idea of walking through the park past the weeping willows to the park benches became meaningless. Why go through all that again? I stood at the park's edge and thought about making my peanut butter cracker sandwiches right there. Reached into my jacket pocket, pulled out a pack of crackers in uh, one of the pods. I didn't have a knife or anything to spread it with. Thought about just snapping a cracker in half and scooping peanut butter out of the pod, but that idea kind of sucked. I mean, pods were pretty tiny. I'd have to snap the cracker just right to fit. Nearly impossible. And then what if I just end up dropping bits of cracker on the ground? Was I going to doom to fail this newfound project by impulsively stabbing cracker bits into a tiny pot of peanut butter. So I just turned and walked back to my building. I hesitated before entering. Was I going to run into her again? I don't, I don't think I'm being paranoid here, but she seemed to perpetually roam the hallway, always casually bumping into me. I'd have to pass her door to get to my room. Well, I couldn't just stand at the entrance forever, so I tiptoed as as quickly as I could across the old creaking floorboards, made it to my room, 
pulling out my keys and just as I did the right on cue, there was a creaking hinges of her door. This made me fumble looking for the right key. I dropped the whole set and bent to pick them up. Can't do this in one motion with my bum knees. So I first tried to bend over with both knees locked, hoping that I had some elasticity remaining in my back and legs. I didn't. My hand barely reached below my knees. I attempted to bend at one knee, but immediately began to fall forward toward the door frame. I recovered before banging my head, but I wrenched my lower back, sending a shooting pain across it. I leaned against the door with my entire left side and slowly slid down it until I reached the key ring as I, I heard her call out agreeing to me. I couldn't push myself back up in one mo- movement without the pain ripping apart what little will I had left to live. I, I put the keys in my jacket pocket so as not to drop them again. I put one hand on the doorknob, the other on the door frame, and pushed myself to a full standing position. This caused a spasm in my back to push on my diaphragm, forcing all the air out of my lungs. I hunched my shoulders and forced a breath in as I heard her walking toward me. I avoided eye contact while reaching into my pocket, pulling out the keys and fumbling with them again. She asked if I was okay, and I leaned against the door frame. I, I gasped that I was fine, never better. She tells me that she is just going out to buy some wine to go with spaghetti she's cooking. You like spaghetti, don't you? She said. Of course you do. I remember you saying how much you like it, how much you go to the diner for their spaghetti. I didn't remember telling her that, and the look on my face must have said as much. Yes, when you helped me rearrange the furniture in my room, you told me how much you like spaghetti. Well, she rambles on about how her niece brought five boxes of pasta and several jars of sauce, but she forgot garlic. I can't make it without garlic. It's just not real for me, she said, and proceeded with a long list of other ingredients the niece forgot. The spasm in my back caused shortness of breath, so I couldn't interject to end this rambling. She finally ended her chatter by insisting that I come that night for supper. She said supper, not dinner. This wasn't going to work out. I knew that if I said no, I'd never get into my room. I'd have to try and explain why. So I just gasped out a yes, found the right key, slid it in the lock, and opened my door. Great. I should be ready by seven, she said. I'll leave the door unlocked. No bother knocking. Took every fiber of my being to shuffle into the room. But before I could close the door, she asked, do you prefer Italian bread or rolls? Surprise me, I said with a wheeze as I closed the door. I got to the bed and dropped into it. I squirmed until I found a position that lessened the spasm. For the next two hours, my brain bounced from surges of pain to the thoughts of what I had gotten myself into. The back pain became an enjoyable distraction from thoughts of dining with that woman. I should have just told her my back was fucked up. It's a perfectly reasonable excuse. Better that I didn't, though, with my shitty luck, she was probably a chiropractor or a masseuse before retirement. Then I'd have to have her inviting herself into my room, administering some sort of alleviating treatment. Can't set that sort of precedent. Until today, I kept her at bay from coming to my door, let alone entering my sacred solitude. She probably come knocking at my door if I didn't show up at 7. Plus, there'd be the having to deal with the awkwardness the next time I ran into her in the hallway. What a mess. 
I should have stayed in instead of impulsively running out to the park to scatter saltines. I never would have bumped into her in the first place. She wouldn't have offered me the peanut butter. And there would have been no invite to dinner. And she was making spaghetti of all things. To be honest, I never really liked spaghetti. My twice-monthly visit to the diner was for the senior discount. But it also become a, an enjoyable project, something to look forward to. And I sure as hell wasn't going to senior discount Thursdays. What the fuck is Salisbury steak anyway? Why do they serve it with that god-awful French onion soup? Having a connection with another human was beginning to have irreparable consequences. My envy for those Buddhist monks being eaten alive has been greatly deepened by this intrusion into my solitude. I mustered up the will to get out of bed and rifle through the dresser drawers in search of muscle relaxants that I remembered some doctor at the county clinic had prescribed some time ago. I debated whether to shower. It's only been two days since the last time. As I molded over, I suddenly thought, what if, after filling our bellies with garlicky spaghetti, things progressed in the direction of she and I fucking? I'd want to have showered. Sweat from my walk to the park and back, not to mention from my struggle with the keys, still stained my armpits. I could feel an erection stirring as I thought about sex with her. As I said, she, she's not unattractive. Images of her slim waistline and curvaceous ass helped to push the wood harder against my briefs, along with a memory of that movie where Marissa Tomei shows her tits. I wouldn't mind sleeping with her, feeling her warm body against mine. Maybe she wants the same thing, sex without attachment, a hookup. She, she after all, had been pursuing me, right? So I jerked off, showered, and put on my clean trousers and shirt. It was ten minutes to seven. I didn't want to show up on time, so I don't need to give her the impression that I'm excited about this dinner. Uh, sorry, supper. I used the next 30 minutes to figure what I wanted to say if the evening looked like it was headed towards sex. I mean, yeah, I want sex, but not, as I said, if it leads to a relationship and I get the vibe that's probably what she's after. I figured that during dinner I would drop subtle hints about how much I like solitude, how at this age in my life I wasn't interested in a relationship, how I disdain the human race and mass extinction of our species couldn't come soon enough, things like that. As I walked to her door, I couldn't help feeling what a huge mistake this was going to be. I started to knock, but remembered her saying to just let myself in. I hesitated. This seemed way too informal. What precedent would this set? Would she now just show up at my door? Especially if we have sex. Huge boundaries will have been breached, which there's no going back. That in itself is motivation enough to not let it go there. I knocked. She yelled out that it's open and to make myself at home. I nearly turned around and fled back to my room, but I opened the door slowly and stuck my head in. Shower was running. Steam was billowing out from the bathroom door. Not only had she not locked the door to her room, but had left the bathroom door ajar. What presumption was this woman harboring under? She's lucky I'm not some sex fiend who 
just walks in, has my way with her in the shower, and then fucks off never to have two words with her again. Felt a chubby in my breeze. I walked to the chair that I sat at before where we looked out at the bird. She called out, help yourself to a glass of wine and pour me one as well. Now I'm to serve her, huh? That didn't take long. I poured two glasses as garlic, onion, basil, and oregano filled my nose. A sauce was lightly bubbling on the stove and spaghetti noodles were draining in a colander in the sink. I walked back to the window and noticed her futon across the small room. It was folded to the couch position and there was a set of clothes laid out. Was she going to dress in front of me? Someone this eager, perhaps desperate even, couldn't be too hard to persuade into having a hookup, could they? Or perhaps she's crazy. The shower stopped and the rings from the curtain slid across the shower rod. She called out, I'm so sorry I lost track of time while cooking spaghetti and jumped into the shower thinking I had loads of time. Can I ask you a favor? Uh, do you want me to hand you the clothes you have laid out on the futon? I said. No, I'm afraid the steam in here will mess up the dress and I want to put makeup on as well. I need to open the bathroom door to let out the steam. I'm so sorry, but would you mind trading places with me while I get dressed? Why don't I just uh, go back to my room and return in about 30 minutes? No, 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 that's silly. You're you're here, so I, I wouldn't think of putting you out. You can bring your wine in here and we can talk while I dress and then switch again so that I can put on my makeup. I uh, really don't mind leaving and coming back in about an hour. Don't be silly. Just look away out the window and when I'm at the futon, you can come in here. Fine, I'm looking out the window now. I heard the squeak from the bathroom door hinges and felt the warmth of the steam on my back as her feet padded past me. Okay, I'm at the futon. I had the urge to turn towards her, so I did, and caught a glimpse of her ass peeking out from the bath towel she had around her torso. Oh, go, go, no fair peeking. Her giggle turned the chubby to full wood, which pressed hard against my trousers. I turned toward the bathroom so that she wouldn't see it, and walked in sitting on the closed lid of the toilet. She began apologizing. I'm usually really good about time management. It just got away from me today. Then she went on about something about her niece getting a flat tire, and she's not from around here, so she called around and finally found someone to drive out to her niece and fix the flat. While she chattered on, the steam in the bathroom enveloped and moistened my forehead. Sweat stains formed into my armpits. I tried following her non sequiturs to interject something, but it was maddening. I hope you like garlic. I used a lot in the sauce. Our little bird friend came back today. I didn't realize fixing a flat cost so much. Well, she needed to get her spare fix as well. I also mixed garlic and olive oil for us to dip the Italian bread in. Ooh, I hope I didn't spoil the surprise. What the fuck was she talking about? What surprise? Oh, I'm just being silly, she said. Remember you said to surprise you when I asked if you wanted Italian bread or, or dinner rolls? Oh, well, the evening's ruined now, I said. This was met with silence. It grew to an uncomfortable level. I was just kidding about the evening being ruined, I said to break the tension. She walked into the bathroom just then and, wow, I nearly spilled my wine. She was wearing a lovely form-fitting black dress that hugged her legs just above her knees. The neckline plunged just enough to give a hint of the fullness of her breasts. 
Yeah, she said, I, I knew you were kidding. She walked to the mirror and picked up her hairbrush, stroking one side of her shoulder-length hair and then the, the other. You can have a seat there if you like in, uh, in the chair by the window. I'm just going to pretty myself up a bit. I didn't move. I continued sitting on the closed toilet lid, watching her put subtle shades on her cheeks and under her eyes. She'd glance over at me and just grinned, then glanced back at the mirror, drawing lipstick across her closed lips. You know, we don't do this for you, she said. This whole ritual is just for us, we women. It gives us a sense of empowerment. Oh yeah, over whom, I said. Over ourselves and, I suppose, other women. I mean, do you care much whether a woman has makeup on or not? I had to think for a second. It only ever crosses my mind when a woman puts too much on or puts on poorly, or like what the kids are doing with wild colors under their eyes or on their nails. I told her, other than that, I could take it or leave it. Although there is something about seeing a woman the first time without her makeup on. There's an intimacy to it, a confidence on her part saying that she trusts you. Maybe there's a certain power over men in that. I didn't realize what I was saying until I looked up from my wine and her eyes met. The subtle smile on her face unlocked this familiarity in me. Our gaze lingered a bit before I stammered out, Ah, oh, and uh, what is it with fake eyebrows? This drawing on or tattooing fake eyebrows mostly don't fit shape of the brow. What sort of power comes from from that? She let out a chuckle. Just a trend, I suppose, but then... Aren't new trends just ways for power to shift from what's considered the norm? She pointed out that I wasn't drinking my wine. Don't you like it? It's fine, I said. In fact, it was very good. I didn't want to get into how it fucks with my gird, so I complimented her taste in wine and speculated she worked in fine dining, like a sommelier or something. She said she'd worked in restaurants, but a long time ago when she was in school, not fine dining, mostly pizzerias or casual dining. Well... Told her she had very fine tastes in wine and asked what she studied in school. Get this. She studied massage therapy. Bingo! I knew it. God, my fucking intuition is incredible. She had a private practice for years, a studio near the university. Now she's semi-retired, mostly a few of her longtime clients who still seek her out. And you, she said, are you still working? I told her I was fully retired. I hesitated to tell her I had been on disability for 10 years before my pension kicked in and what was left of it. Before I could even decide to tell her, she said, I can help relieve some of that pain in your back. Is that obvious, I said. Well, yeah, it took everything I had to not help you into your room at your door when you were in obvious pain, but I could also tell you weren't going to accept my help. But seriously, she said, I can help... I can help you release some of it. In fact, I already have. Come on, follow me. And she walks out of the bathroom. What do you mean you already have? She was right. Stiffness in my back had all but gone away. I didn't struggle nearly as much getting up from the toilet seat as I had setting myself down on it. The steam, she said, calling out from the closet near the futon. As she pulls out out of the closet a folding massage table that she proceeds to set up in the middle of the room. Now I started to get a little pissed. What kind of manipulating bullshit is this? And it was most likely the muscle relaxant that relieved the spasm. 
And I'll bet that right knee of yours is feeling a little looser too, she said. I notice you aren't walking as straight like it as you usually do. She draped a sheet on the massage table and patted it. Come on, lay on your stomach. I'll work some of the kinks out before we eat. The gall of this woman. That's when my brain started scheming. She's going to manipulate me. Well, two can play that game. So I sat up on the table, pulled off my shirt, glad that I decided to shower. She turned the lights low, put on some sitar music at a low volume, lit some incense and pulled a bottle of massage oil out of the closet. I heard her rubbing the oil in her hands to warm it up, and I'm popping solid in my pants again. She began at my shoulders. You're holding a lot of tension all throughout your neck, she said. Yeah, I tend to do that, and she shushes me. Just stay quiet, she said. She works down between my shoulder blades, and I I can feel the spasm coming back. Take deep, slow breaths. Breathe into where you feel pain and let go of the tension on your exhales. The rubbing in her soothing voice made my erection hard and uncomfortable as it pushed into the cushion of the table. But I admit it felt good, what she was doing to my back. I'm targeting the muscle that is spasming. I'm I'm loosening the ones around it uh, that will allow it to elongate. She made circles with her hands on my solar plexus. Down to the small of my back and onto my buttocks. I feared that I would ejaculate any second. Roll over onto your back now, she said. Well, it's now or never, I thought. I roll over and even I'm impressed with how hard I'm pushing through my pants. Don't worry about that, she said. It's natural. Almost all my male clients have gotten hired during at least one session and some of my women clients? Well, I keep plenty of towels handy. In fact, why don't you take off your pants? I don't want to get any oil on them. She drapes a bath towel over my lap, and I pull off my pants. In no time, I'm pitching a tent that could sleep four. She sprinkled oil on my right thigh and slowly rubbed down and up and down from hip to above the knee. Couldn't take it anymore. Put my hand on hers, moved it along the thigh, then lifted it slightly and slid it toward the waistband of the boxers and into them. She didn't pull back, but indeed continued toward my throbbing shaft and began rubbing up and down. I slid my boxers off my hips. I reached her breasts and fondled them. She leaned down to my mouth and we kissed. Slow pecks that grew deeper. The rubbing remained slow and rhythmic and I was about to explode. Suddenly she wasn't rubbing any anymore. I opened my eyes and saw her walk to the futon as she pulled her dress up and over her head. I sat up, pushed my boxers to my ankles and kicked them off. She pulled the futon up and out into a bed and laid down, holding her hand out to me. I continued to let myself believe that I had manipulated her into sex, but with the hope that she saw this as just a hookup. We probably would have gone on all night, but the smell of burning garlic and tomato sauce made her jump up and run to the stove. 
she dumped the pot into the sink, dumping the spaghetti out of the strainer and all over the counter, the sink and the floor, covering it with burnt sauce. Steam sizzled at the sides of the pot as she turned the faucet on. She laughed out loud at the sight. My heart on, which had gone soft from the potential need to evacuate the premises, began to rebound at the sight of her breast bouncing with her laughter. I got up from the futon and walked over to her, grabbing a towel and pushed noodles and blackened sauce into the sink. She took the towel from me, threw it on the mess on the floor, grabbed my cock, and led me back to the futon. We laid spooning each other. I said, What do you mean about the bird coming from so far away? The what? She said. When you gave me the peanut butter, you said that that particular bird had fewer and fewer options and so flew farther than usual. Insect collapse. Insect collapse? Yes, the rapid decline in insect numbers. It's forced the birds to fly further and further to find food. Is that so? I thought, well, I read somewhere that the birds were dying out, but you're saying that they're just migrating further? Well, both are true, she said. Some are dying out due to insect collapse, habitat destruction, urbanization, and climate change. Some can't migrate far due to lack of adaptation outside of their climate region. But others, like our little friend, can adapt. Not just to climate variations, but different food sources also. Well, you're not just a masseuse, you're a bird and bug researcher too? (laughs) No, she said. I'm not an ornithologist nor an entomologist. I've just read a lot about it. Well, I wish they could do something about the mosquitoes, I said. They seem to be flourishing. The mosquito population has actually declined over the past 50 years, especially in urban areas, but the expense of uh, the bees and butterflies. So what's causing the insect collapse, I said. Same things as the bird die-off? Yeah, she said, but mainly pesticides and chemical fertilizers and genetically modified agriculture. The insects are being killed off by us. We spooned silently until we both fell asleep. We fucked again sometime in the very early morning before the sun rose. I awoke to her rubbing her butt cheeks against my erection and so responded by entering her. She came silently and then I ejaculated and we both fell asleep again. I awoke again as the sun barely illuminated the white curtain at the window, sat up and turned, sitting on the side of the bed to get up uh, to go to the bathroom. She rolled toward me and caressed my back. Do you want me to make some coffee, she said. No, it's still really early, I said. Go back to sleep. I got up and walked to the bathroom, peed, then looked at myself in the mirror. What did I get myself into? I left the bathroom and stood looking over at her in the futon. She'd fallen back to sleep, or at least it looked like she had. I gathered up my clothes, put them on, and tried to open the door to her apartment as quiet as I could, but the creaking hinges were loud enough to alert the devil. She didn't appear to have awoken. I made it out to the hall and to my room.
I've been in bed for the past two days only getting up to piss, but now I need to go to the bank and see if the funds have been deposited. I need to buy food. I ate the last of my crackers along with the peanut butter when I returned to my room from hers. I've stayed in here for fear of running into her in the hallway. There was a knock on my door the day before yesterday in the evening and again yesterday in the morning. Gentle, almost pathetic knocking. I assume it was her. I've lived in this building for 10 years and no one in that entire time has knocked on my door except the landlord when I'm late for the rent, but his is a distinctive banging. I sat still, being sure not to make a noise, even holding my breath until I heard footsteps walking away and then I heard the faint squeaking of door hinges down the hall. Oh, I can hear you saying, Oh, come on, you made the choice to go over there. You willingly took your own clothes off. She didn't manipulate you into anything. Stop this bullshit. Accept responsibility for your actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But none of this would have happened if she had just left me alone from the start. I never would have pursued any of this. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead. You pathetic fucking loser. Yeah, well, I'm already saying it to myself, so I beat you to it. Why am I even fucking telling you all this? Oh, I tried the, the beginning, the middle, and the end bullshit, right? Um, might as well finish it. This morning, while having coffee, I I thought she must have gotten the hint and would now lead me to my solitude. Well, I heard a slight scraping sound at the bottom of the door. I looked over and saw, through the gap at the bottom, a shadow moving and a piece of paper trying to be pushed through it. The paper slid under, followed by the patter of feet and creaking of floorboards fading down the hallway. The gall of this woman... Now I had to get up, walk over, and bend down to pick up the paper. I could barely get out of the chair. My back was so stiff. I guess lying in bed for two days will do that. I used the last of the muscle relaxant yesterday. The arthritis in my knee was worse. I could barely bend it to to reach the paper. I prepared myself for some emotional crap about not giving her attention. This is just a quick note. Hope your back is feeling better. I just wanted to say I'm sorry about the mess at dinner the other day. We got so wrapped up. Well, it was wonderful. Sorry I didn't get up to make us breakfast before you left. I fell back to sleep and didn't even hear you uh, to hear you leave. Absolutely no pressure, but if you ever want another massage, don't hesitate to ask. No winking emoji. <laughs> Real massage next time. I imagine you'll be going to the diner later. You'll get to have spaghetti after all, lol. Okay, have a wonderful rest of your day and week, Camille. P.S. Here's my WhatsApp number. Well, okay. At least that was civil. There's no need to sneak out. She's accepted it was a hookup. Good. Did I know her name was Camille? Did we ever formally introduce ourselves? I can't remember. Maybe when we first ran into each other when she had me adjusting the feng shui in her apartment. Well, thankfully, I don't have WhatsApp or any of that crap anymore. Not even emails, you know. Hell, my landline hasn't even been in service for I don't know how long. That saves me the hassle. Uh, Fuck, I guess I can slip a note under her door as I'm going out let her know that I don't have any of that crap. Uh, The least I can do, but Am I just moving the communication further on? There should just be a clean break. Fuck it.
I'm going to the bank and then the store if the funds have transferred. Oh, maybe I'll come back to this when, I'm, when I return. Well, the funds were in my account, and I was able to make it to the store before the curfew started, but just barely. The guardsman who patrols this area followed me for a few blocks. When I left for the bank, he glanced at his watch. He knows exactly how long it takes me to get to the bank, for, then the store, and back home. Bastard was waiting for me to return. Earlier, when we first started this quarantine business, he caught me about an hour after curfew, but was friendly about it, and even helped me with my grocery bags, but his time goes on and the pressure on them to be more of the ruthless increases they become complete bastards <clears throat> this time I had to quicken my pace till I was practically jogging the last two blocks with him quick on my heels despite, despite my knees throbbing I managed to get into the lobby of my building 30 seconds after curfew started he entered the building just as I was opening the door to my room I ducked in before he saw where I'd gone although I I suspect they know where we all live. Anyway, there wasn't much at the store by the time I got there. I managed to get a few canned goods, peas, carrots, sauerkraut, beets. Wasn't much in the way of bread except a loaf of sourdough that looked like it had been stepped on. I got that and two cans of anchovies. All the tuna and sardines had been bought out. <clears throat> the only coffee was small cans of generic, which ordinarily I, I won't drink, especially if there isn't any milk or creamer, but you make do with the material possessions you have, not the ones you want. These groceries are going to have to last a week before I uh, can go back. That's usually when they restock, but I'll have to go early enough next time to get anything decent. Part of what had me running late to the bank was when uh, that I ran into the, the woman down the hall, Camille. I guess I should be using her name. I've given you the lurid details of our hookup, after all. Ran into Camille as I was uh, about to leave. She was coming in from the pharmacy, she said. She down, uh, had on a homemade designer mask covering her, her mouth and her nose. She asked me where my or she asked me where my mask was. I made some joke about being the master of social distancing, and <laughs> therefore I didn't need one. Her eyes frowned. You got my note, huh, she said. The offer still stands, the massage. But, uh, oh, yeah, thanks. I said, look, uh, I got to get to the store before it closes. Oh, of course. Don't let me keep you, but I need to tell you. I was in close contact with someone who tested positive. I'm asymptomatic. I feel fine. Maybe a little scratchy throat and a, a headache I can't seem to shake. But you should get tested if you start to feel any symptoms. One of my clients, a nurse... She's been diagnosed with the virus. We had a session less than a week ago. She's in the ICU at University Hospital. 
at our age, we really need to take this seriously. Here, take this. She handed me a mask that she said her niece had, had uh, sewn. Use this, please. They made it mandatory anyway. Starting today, they'll stop you in the street if you don't have one. I took the mask and uh, put it in my pocket. Why didn't you say something uh, about this in your note? I didn't know about my client until this afternoon. I went straight to the clinic. I didn't know if they'd uh, even test me. Uh, I uh, I really have to go. I don't want to. I don't want to be out after curfew. I moved quickly to the door and out into the street. What the fuck? What the fuck? That's when I saw the guardsman half a block away, and he knows me. He moved toward me, and I pulled the mask out and put it on. He went back to leaning against the wall, glaring at his phone, presumably keeping watch over the time. That are porn. You wouldn't think it, but anchovies with sauerkraut on sourdough isn't bad. I've decided to call it an ass sandwich. Found an old packet of mustard in a drawer and smeared that on. I've been growing mint on the windowsill and uh, made mint tea. It all kind of came together nicely. In the morning, I can open the peas and smear that on the remaining sourdough. have that with uh, my coffee. While eating my ass sandwich, I remembered the Nigerian guy, Henry, who lives on the top floor. He clandestinely raises chickens on the roof. A couple of times when I passed him at the front door, he, he'd offered to barter some of his eggs for whatever I could spare. Back then, I either already had eggs or I never had anything other than the saltines. I wasn't going to make a complete fool of myself by suggesting a barter between eggs and crackers. But now, maybe he'd accept the cans of carrots for some eggs. Brilliant idea. I'll give him the choice between the carrots and the beets. This new project gave me newfound motivation. I quickly swallowed that uh, that ass and uh, was so excited about the possibility of eggs for breakfast that I, as I opened the door to leave, I realized I didn't have the cans. I, I bounced to the cabinet, shoved the carrot cans in my pocket, and grabbed the can of beets, bounded for the door again, and standing in the door it was Camille. She was holding a piece of paper. Hi, she said uh, through her mask and lifting the paper. I was just going to leave this for you, but I'm glad I uh, ran into you instead. She quivered and, and sniffled. Her eyes were red and eyelashes matted. Something wrong, I said. I just need to tell you that I tested positive. The clinic just called me. Oh, shit. That's all I could think to say. She holds out the paper. Here, you can read what I want to say. I, I should go so I don't infest you. If I hadn't already. Tears began to well up in her eyes. Oh, shit. No, come in. I'll, I'll get my mask and you can tell me what you wanted to say. She came in and closed the door and quickly moved to the table and sat down, being sure not to put her hands anywhere. I scooted around trying to remember where I'd put my mask after returning from the store. I, I saw it sticking out of my coat pocket, hanging on the back of the chair Camille was sitting in. She pulled a small bottle of hand sanitizer from her breast pocket, rubbed it on her hands for what seemed like forever, and then pulled the mask from my coat and held it out to me. I held my breath as I walked toward her and immediately felt foolish for doing so. I backed away slowly with the mask. She pulled a pair of medical gloves from a plastic bag in her other breast pocket, put them on, pulled out a small packet of tissues and proceeded to wipe the tears from her eyes and blow her nose. She pulled uh, one glove off, put it with the tissue into her other hand, and pulled the that glove off, wrapping everything inside it. 
She pulled a small Ziploc bag from her jeans pocket and packed it all in, sealing it. She then sanitized her hands again. Do you have san Do you have hand sanitizer? I can give you this one. I have plenty in my room. I don't have any, but that's okay. I'll before I could finish, she put the small bottle on the table and folded her hands across her chest. I'm so very sorry to brought this upon you, she said. It's not your fault, I said. You, you didn't know. You didn't create the virus, after all. I mean, you didn't, right? You're not in cahoots with Bill Gates, are you? And I quickly realized that maybe she didn't get the joke, and I, I awkwardly laughed. She rolled her eyes, acknowledging the conspiracy theory. I don't know what I'm feeling right now, she said. I imagine pretty scared. Well, yeah, but I mean about you and me. Oh, was all I could think to say. Part of me feels stupid that we acted like a couple of teenagers, she said, fucking like we did, but also it was amazing, lovely, tender. Well, I mean, it was just a hookup, right? I said, was that the only reason you came over for a hookup? She said, sniffling. Look, you invited me. I didn't, I came over for a spaghetti. I know, I'm kidding, she said, and I, I should probably go. Promise me you'll get tested. Yeah, I'll go tomorrow and see if, see if they'll test me. I, I don't have any symptoms, but let me know the results as soon as you do, please. Yeah, of course. But uh, I don't have any of that social media stuff. Really? How? She asked. What do you mean, how? How can anyone not have social media? You have email, right? Shock, disbelief, confusion, and pity all registered on her face at once when I shook my head. How? How do you communicate with people? I uh, kind of don't, I said. I told you I'm the master of social distancing. Well, I write letters occasionally. I used to visit friends face-to-face, but, well, now no one can. Even so, the ones I'd visit are dead now. Shock registered in her eyes. Not from the virus, just other things. Cancer, natural causes, traffic accidents, heart attacks. You know, the old-fashioned way before the obsession with daily zigzags on death graphs. Well, text me. You have a phone, right? Her sarcasm turned into utter incredulity. As I again shook my head. What the fuck? Are you fucking with me right now? You don't even have a phone? I used to, one of those flip types a long time ago, before emails and only one line for text. Good old 1G. I had a pager at one time, too, for work, back when I was a bike messenger. That's why I fucked up my knees. Flew over the handlebars when I plowed into a car that slammed its brakes in front of me. God, it's been over 30 years ago. I haven't had a phone, not even a landline, for probably 10 years. Unfucking believable Well, write me a letter when you find out the test results. Stick it under my door. She stood up, abruptly grabbed her letter and wadded it in her fist and shoved it in her pocket, but then jerked it out again and held, out, held it toward me. Or do you need paper to write on? I have paper. Oh, good, at least that. Do you have a pen, pencil, perhaps crayons? Hey, why the fuck are you pissed off at me? I'm not pissed at you. I'm pissed at myself, and I'm pissed at you. You ghosted me for days after we slept together. After we had such a wonderful evening, I knocked. I knew you were in here. You're always in here. Fuck kind of 65-year-old ghost someone? 62, I corrected her. But uh, I'm mostly pissed at myself. I, sh- I shouldn't care so much for you. It's fucked up that I fell for you. Look at you. fuck is wrong with me? I need to go. I started laughing. It was completely inappropriate. I wasn't laughing at her. I, I felt immense sympathy for her, but 
An uncontrollable chuckle turned into a breathless howl. She fell for me. Somehow this statement sent me into hysterics. She made her way to the door, but I, I got there first and leaned on it, psychotically laughing. I didn't want her to leave thinking I was laughing at her. Her, her anger shifted from irate to horror. I bent over, I was laughing so hard, and then the spasm in my back returned. Couldn't catch my breath. I gasped for air and dropped to my knees. She balled up her fist and uh, struck me hard between my shoulder blades, causing me to take a huge inhale. You fucking punched me, I said while taking a massive exhale. Inhale really slowly through your nose. She pulled the plastic bag filled with fresh clothes from her pocket and pulled one out. Exhale slowly and deeply into the glove. Try to blow it up, then let the air rush into your lungs. I pulled my mask off and did what she said. She grabbed me under my arm and half-lifted me, walking me to the bed. I laid down, still inhaling and exhaling into the glove while she maneuvered me to my stomach. I was dizzy, but my breathing returned to normal. She took the glove and put it in the other baggie with the soiled gloves. She disinfected her hands and then held the bottle of disinfectant towards my hand, squirting gel into them. You should have been a nurse or a doctor. Your bedside manner is brutal, I said. Well, your breathing is getting better, isn't it? I do regret not going to nursing school, she said. My breathing leveled out. Speaking of which, have you, have you heard from your nurse friend, the one who uh, you told me was hospitalized? She called me, or rather, she had someone call me, a, a nurse, a co-worker of hers, called and said Ingrid was moved back to the ICU. She developed pneumonia. Camille moved to the chair and sat down. I lied to you before. About what, I said. Well, it wasn't really a lie, more like an omission of information. Ingrid wasn't just a massage client. I mean... That's how we met, but we'd been lovers. Well, okay. You didn't lie to me. I, I didn't need to know that. Well, except I should have told you that she and I had sex that day, five days before she found out she was positive. You mean three days before we had sex, you and she had... Yeah, she came over under the pretext of a massage appointment and one thing led to another. Okay, so just another hookup. You've had a hell of a string of luck these past weeks. Except now I'm positive and I probably infected you. It was so fucking irresponsible. I didn't want to keep the appointment with her. I, I had canceled all my others due to the social distancing, but she insisted and I guess I really wanted to be to see her again. You really wanted to be with her again. That's what you were about to say, wasn't it? I don't know. Bullshit. Are you bullshitting me or yourself? Well, now it doesn't fucking matter. She's probably going to die from this virus. Her eyes well up again. Hey, hey, not necessarily. She could pull through. She has pre-existing issues. Hypertension and asthma. Now she's developed pneumonia. Chances aren't great. She raises her hands to wipe her tears, but stops. Throws her hands to her sides. Fuck this. Fuck this virus. I can't even cry properly. Hey, hey, hey. Come on. Take it easy, I said, and, and struggled to sit up. I leaned and put my hand on uh, her thigh. Camille, hey, let's just take this one step at a time. Stay here for dinner. I'll make us sandwiches. No, I should go. We don't know if you're infected. She stands and looks through her pockets for tissue and gloves as she walks toward the door. I lurch out of the bed and attempt to put myself between her and the door. <laughs> as much spit that we exchanged, I said, if I'm not infected now, I'll never be. Look, 
I invented a new sandwich. I'll make you one. No, I've got plenty of food at my place that my niece brought me. I don't want to take yours. Don't be silly. I said we can work on that supply later. Let's work on dwindling mine for now. She blew her nose into a tissue and reached for a baggie. I took her hand and moved close, holding my other hand on her shoulder and took a step closer until her ear pressed on my chest and I caressed her hair. Her arms went around my waist and she pulled me closer with her hands clutching my back. Her sobs soaked my breast pocket. This feels so good, she said. Thank you. For what, I said. For letting me in. So there you have it. That's how a man in the throes of solitude got infected. Maybe that's why I'm writing to you. There was really never any hope of me seeing you again, and this just brings that closer to reality for me. If you're reading this, it's because I'm either in the ICU with a tube down my throat or dead. I was hospitalized a few weeks after Camille told me she tested positive. I developed a cough, headache, joint pain, so I went to the clinic and my test came back positive for the virus. Cough turned into shortness of breath, and on Camille's insistence, I came to the hospital. I was admitted immediately. So I write this. It's my second day here, and I'm feeling worse. I'm wearing a, an oxygen mask, and the nurses tell me to stay on my stomach so I, I breathe easier, but each day becomes more labored. I've given my primary nurse, Ingrid, instructions to mail these to you if I take a turn for the worse. Yes, it's the same Ingrid. Camille's Ingrid. Isn't irony just fucking grand? She covered. She recovered and came back immediately to work in the ICU, and she's been amazing. You can see why Camille had a hard time with her breakup. Camille never got more than mild symptoms, and of course, I haven't been able to see her since being admitted, but I, I can only assume she's getting updates from Ingrid. Well, like I said, if you're reading this, I'm either in an induced coma with tubes coming out of every orifice or I'm dead. If it's not the latter, I'll send you a letter when I'm able to. Hi, I'm Ingrid, David's nurse. I'm including this note in his letter to let you know that David passed away on the 6th of this month. He was placed in a coma to relieve his pain while being intubated and remained so for two weeks until succumbing to the many complications resulting from the virus. He was in as little pain as was medically possible before his death. In what little time there was before the coma, I got to know David a little. He was of great humor during his hospitalization, keeping the staff smiling and laughing with his stories and jokes until he just didn't have the strength. He said that you were the one that got away, the great love of his life, and so wanted to be sure that you received his final words. Before he was intubated, he whispered to me a short poem that he wanted to include in the letter, but time and the virus got the better of him. I tried writing it down as best I could as he dictated it to me with very labored breathing. I tried to format it as best I could, so I hope it's okay. Here it is. You shatter me. Your face, your eyes, devastate the barrier protecting the illusion that I was better off alone as your lips overcome me, enslave me. Their ecstasy, my anguish. 
The fear of being engulfed, the triumph of having you engulf me, the whole of my being condensed in your arms. If I die before the next experience of your skin piercing mine, eternity will prove to be the anguish of my longing to once again be shattered by you. I want to apologize. David didn't give me permission, but after writing down the poem for him, I felt compelled to read his letters before sending it to you. I didn't know before reading it that he and Camille had had a sexual relationship. I mean, I suspected they had. When she accompanied him to the emergency department, she texted me and said that she was with a friend and asked me to take special care of him. With his permission, I did keep her informed of his condition throughout. Ironically, it was through this that she and I rekindled the love that we had, we had had for each other. When it was certain that we both had fully recovered from the virus, we began seeing each other and are now sharing my apartment together. Camille moved out of the building where she and David lived. She's devastated by this loss. I now am not sure if the poem was meant for you or for Camille, perhaps both. I've decided not to share the poem, nor the existence of David's letters with her. We are moving on. I suspect you have as well.